Well, I wanted to welcome everybody to First Wednesday's uh, Creativity. We're going to talk about creativity a bit uh, tonight. But first, to tell you a little bit about First Wednesdays. Uh, this is our monthly gathering that happens at the first Wednesday of every month. Um, and it, the main purpose is that for us to be able to talk about different cultural issues through the lens of the good news of Jesus. So we've talked about many things before. We've talked about... Um, We've talked about business, we've talked about art, we've talked about justice and media, and tonight's talk is creativity. Uh, We believe that since Jesus is the creator and the redeemer of all things, all subjects, all parts of this world are worth talking about and are worth reflecting on through the lens of the good news. Now, uh, before we get, before we launch in, I just wanted a a quick announcement. Uh, Tomorrow night, there's a Hannah Posh, who's a part of uh, the congregation here, uh, she's helping organize a concert for a guy named Sean Michelle. There is a uh, little poster for it, and um, it, it's going to be tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. There's going to be a $5 cover charge if you want to come. The dude has a pretty rad beard, and that's a nice thing. And, uh, and I think he's a, a good musician as well. So feel free to come tomorrow night, $5 cover charge. So uh, let me pray as we we get into the night. Father, uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for your creativity and how you don't just keep your creativity to yourself, but you have created us in your image. And you you left certain things in this world um, for us to do, that we reflect who you are when when we imagine when we try new things, when we, when we do um, creative things. And so, God, we just pray that you'd be glorified as we reflect on this topic today. We pray um, that you would shape us into people who love you and who creatively seek to love others. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the topic of creativity. Um, Let me just start off with giving a few definitions of creativity so we know what we're talking about. We're talking about creativity not just for the people who have cool tattoos and who know how to paint stuff, but as an integral part of being human, uh, we are creative. We're created in God's image, and he is creative. One of the first things we see in the Bible is that God creates, and then he makes us in his image. Let me throw, there are so many definitions of creativity. I'm going to throw a few out there to you I found. Um, Carnivale, Grainer, and Metzler. Three names behind this definition, so it's probably good. They say uh, that creativity is the ability to use different modes of thought to generate new and dynamic ideas and solutions. Someone else says creativity is the process of bringing something new into being. So you can, you can demonstrate creativity whether you're painting something or making an omelet. And then uh, finally you get someone like Einstein. He says creativity is seeing what everyone else has seen and thinking what no one else has thought. In other words, creativity is really about problem solving. You have a problem on one hand and you seek to engage that problem with new ways of thinking, new ideas, new concepts, new products. So we're all creative. Now, why does it matter for us to talk about creativity? I just want to give two main reasons why this is a topic 
that this is a topic for people in the church to talk about, not just people who watch TED Talks. Uh, Number one, God is creative and we are made in his image. And an, an integral part of glorifying God and reflecting who he is is to be creative. It's also a part of being fully human. And the second reason that we're going to cover tonight is creativity is a crucial part of solving problems and therefore is a crucial part of loving others. Jesus' great command is to, is to love others as ourself. And if, if we truly want to love others and bless others, there are problems in the world and they must be engaged creatively. Now, what you can expect tonight, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a couple of talks. They're going to be short 10-minute talks. Uh, The first one's going to be Benjamin Jensen. He's going to talk about the creativity of God. I'm going to talk about creativity and love and creativity and human flourishing. Um, Ben Adam, at the end, he's going to talk about growing in creativity, even if you don't feel like you're naturally a creative person. And we're also going to have an interview with Amy Radcliffe, who's an art school student, uh, who's using her art sc- her, what she learned at art school to be an awesome nanny. So we'll interview her, and we'll interview uh, Jeff Krause, who's the chef and owner of Crate Bar. And Crate Bar is really awesome. If you've been there, you know that. So, um, so that's basically what we're going to do tonight. We'll have a few videos in between. And basically, the goal would be, as you hear from people about creativity, take in some of that, learn some of that, because what we're driving to at the end is that we need to learn to be creative, because creativity is an integral part of how we love. So um, you don't have to be Pablo Picasso or Steve Jobs, but you're a human, so therefore you're creative. So what I want us to do to start off the night before Benjamin comes up is to, around our tables or with a few people around, um, maybe three or four people, uh, discuss what is the definition of creativity. Kind of do a working definition around your tables. Just kind of discuss what is it. And then in a few moments, Benjamin will come up and he'll lead us in a talk. Go now, discuss.
All right. I'm going to have you close out those conversations. What is creativity? How do you define it? It's one of those things where you ask uh, um, around the table, it always is a slow start, and then it starts rolling, and people start speaking. It's like, yeah, that, that, and this, and this. Um, It's a wonderful thing, and it's worthy of exploration more than just design or just painting or just musicians. Um, Jim has asked me to talk tonight on the creativity of God. And so, in the next several minutes, I'm going to do my best to pack this in with lots about the creativity of God, and I hope it encourages us, and I hope it opens our eyes to the world that God has created. My name is Benjamin, by the way, and I'm a pastoral resident here at Redemption Tempe. I have three points to my talk. The first is music. The second is metaphor. And the third is mission. And music is not music the way you might think it is, but I'll explain that in a minute here. Uh, These three points to try to explain in a very short time the creativity of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said... Let there be light. And there was light. Here's another scripture passage, this time from Matthew 3. 3.16, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So you, you, may not, you may think, well, those are nice verses. I, I love those, but, but do they relate at all? Certainly Genesis 1 is about creation, so there it is. That's creativity. That's creation. But, but the baptism of Jesus is such a curious thing. Did he, like, profess faith in God and then get baptized from repentance? No. He didn't have to repent from anything. So, so what is the baptism of Jesus? And I think this is it. It is the inauguration of a new creation. And here's why I think that. Genesis 1. God creates everything. And what's hovering over water? The Spirit of God. And what happens next to this thing that's formless and void? It's chaos, it's darkness. God speaks. What happens in Jesus' baptism? When he comes out of the water, the heavens open, and the Spirit of God descends and hovers over the water. A dove, a dove flies, he hovers, and God speaks. This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. The baptism of Jesus was the inauguration of a new creation, and that is awesome. And I want to frame everything through that event that Jesus is the creator. In the beginning was the word, and the word is with God. All things are created through him. So creation is not a, a lone voice in the wilderness. Creation is much more like uh, a harmony or a symphony. Music, this is point one, music. Not just a lone voice singing, 
but more than one voice, three voices, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Trinity, creating in harmony together. And here's the deal. The, the, Trinity, the Trinity doesn't need us. God doesn't need us. They don't need this creation. God doesn't need this creation to be God. Rather, it was more like this. Uh, the Trinity is more like an eternal rock band that was just rocking out. And they're looking at each other, and they're like, this, this is awesome. We, we should take this concert on the road. People need to see this. That's what it was like. Uh, the Trinity is like, um, like Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you know, harmonizing, singing creation into existence. If you don't know Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you can ask Tim Anderson. He's a, he's a big fan. <laughs> C.S. Lewis picks up on this, right? Narnia, the magician's nephew, hot as Aslan, create the world. He sings it into existence. It's a beautiful picture, and it's a true picture of what God has done in creation It's an overflow of his joy. Creation is an act of divine exuberance. And from that, existence, I'll just say, existence is highly underrated. The fact that we're here, now, hearts beating, lungs breathing, sitting on these chairs that hold our weight because gravity pulls us down, but gravity doesn't launch us into space. It's just the perfect amount that you are this bundle of cells miraculously working together in order, not in chaos, so that your heart continues to beat, so that your lungs continue to breathe, so that your eyes blink without you thinking about it and your eyeballs don't dry out and you go blind. That is a miracle. Existence is underrated, the fact that we are here. Existence is awesome. And we more than just things, more than just matter. We are the miracle of miracles. We are the crown of God's creation. Not only for how our bodies are built, but because we have souls, because we are made in the image of God. Do you you know that you have in your body, the average adult, 80 to 100 trillion cells right now? Little old you, 100 trillion cells. So 100 trillion is a number we don't understand. But just so you know, the Milky Way galaxy has about 400 billion stars in it. That means, I did some math some, with, my, with my phone, so I didn't, I didn't do it by hand. Still, that means that you, each one of you, little old you, is 25 galaxies of stars. That's what your cells are. That's how many cells are in each one of you right now. And you get together a few thousand people, and you have more cells in that place than there are stars in the entire universe. That is awesome. That is beautiful. That is God's design. Um, Do a quick favor for me. Hold up your hand. Hold it up like this. Look at the back of your hand. You see your veins. Maybe you're hairy hands, maybe you're not. You got fingernails, maybe look at, the, look at the front of your hand. You see these lines in your hand, these lines which you've had, by the way, since you were kids. That's where your hand folds. Look at your fingertips and your fingerprints. Okay, so this hand, this hand will be a new hand in seven years, give or take. Because the body is always dying and always replacing cells. Cells are always dying and always being replaced. And so, those cells that are dying, they're being replaced constantly so that your skin gets replaced every few weeks. Muscles take longer, usually several months, six months to a year. Bones take the longest, of course, about seven years, 10 years at the most. This hand that you have will be the exact same different hand in seven years. Isn't that incredible? that your body regenerates, 
like that, that is the design of God. The, the older I get, point number two, metaphor, the older I get, the more I'm convinced that God has made the world to be a lens for us to see him more clearly, for us to see him at all, like a microscope and a telescope put together, a lens to see his beauty and his glory. Everything around us is a metaphor. Light bulbs that take electricity and make it light is a metaphor for darkness becoming light. God said, let there be light. Birth of babies. Jesus says, you must be born again. Trees to be a tree planted by streams of water. Oceans, I will cast your sins into the sea and never remember them again. Fruit, without me, you can bear no fruit. Music, babies crying. Cars, we don't trust in chariots or horses, but we trust in God. Laughter, eating, I am the true food, says Jesus. Thirst, thirst exists so that you know that God is your true thirst quencher. Like water, this living water, and you will never thirst again. Drinking, feasting, walking, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Sleeping, Jesus has come to me, and I will give you rest. Sunshine and rain, the sun of righteousness will shine on you and rain on the unrighteous and the righteous alike embraces and scrapes on our knees and elbows and children playing and the curiosity of kids when someone at a restaurant or store serves you or helps you it is meant to show that God is the greatest servant breathing blinking that if we don't blink our eyes dry out and we go blind we are washed with the water of the word. It is our very life. Stars, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and faces and eyes and ears and bodies and sex and marriage and romance and communion and baptism and worship services and books and images and writing and keys and locks. I am the door, says Jesus. And friendship and family and crowds and concerts when we go there and behold something amazing and we say, That is awesome. And for that moment, with this whole congregation of people, we forget ourselves, and we are in this moment of pure joy, at least if it's a band you like. That is a metaphor for heaven, for us beholding God. That's our, we're meant to do that. We were created for that. And kindness, and patience, and peace, and joy, and hope, all meant to point to Jesus. May the God of hope give you all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit you might abound in hope. So, in closing, some of you are sitting there, third point, mission. Some of you are sitting there and saying, listen, this is all good. It's, I, it's really cool that God is creative. I, I love it. So praise God for that. And that's a good response. But I, I want to share something with you. You are all creative as well. You are creators. You have been made in the image of a creative God. Therefore, you are creative. Every single one of you. Now, here's the thing. The question is not, are you creative or are you not creative? The answer is, yes, you are creative. The question is, what will you do with your creativity? Because every single moment that you speak, every time you speak, every act you take is an act that has created a new world. 
No, and I'm not being melodramatic. We're the only species that speaks. The image of God, God who said, let there be light. He gave us the ability to speak and to create new worlds. And so every time you speak a sentence, it's a sentence that didn't exist before you spoke it. That's a new world. A lot of times it's insignificant when you say thank you at Target for buying something, sure. But my question is, what are you going to do with your creativity? What do we do with this, this world that we're creating We speak it. We were not created to be mere consumers. We were created to be participants in the work of God and his grace. You might not be an artist in the strict sense of the word, but you are a creator. So, finally, in the the music of God's creation, and in the metaphor of this world, to see it all through that lens that lets us see God and the mission, the purpose of all things in ourselves, I say this, Let's follow Jesus, the great author of life, in our creativity, creating new worlds, a world where we bless and not curse, where we build up and don't tear down, where we plant and we don't spoil, where we sing and don't grumble, and we encourage others instead of gossiping about them. We bring peace and not conflict. We bring reconciliation, not separation. We do justice and not evil. We weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice and we lay down our lives for the sake of others and we don't preserve ourselves with worry or anxiety about what will happen. We are bold and courageous and we're not reactive and fearful. We are full of contagious joy and not of fear. A world where we are salt and light. Where we love, we love our families and our neighbors and our enemies Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, the love of God which pulses through this world like blood through our veins. It is the very life of this world, and it's the life of us. And that's what we're called to do, and that is the creativity of God. Thank you. There's actually a story of two of the greatest master penmen to live. Well, the two were sitting down across the table from one another, and F.B. Courtney wrote a word on a, on a piece of paper and threw it across the table, and he said, accomplish that if you can. And so Madaraz turned the paper over, wrote another word, threw it across the table, and he says, accomplish that in a lifetime if you can. And so it was... It was this life pursuit that they were after. It was honing the hand, learning the disciplines of whole arm movement and muscular movement to reach one pinnacle moment that was forever captured in a single letter. So I will fill a page with the same letter over and over and over just so that when it comes time for me to execute that letter in an actual piece, I'm able to do so without thought, that it's already imprinted into who I am, into my makeup and into my muscle memory, that I can execute it when the time comes.
The pen is attractive to me because of what happens just at the tip of a pen. You, you get one shot, and and what what happens there uh, is permanent. And so you're putting in the all of the motion that your body already naturally does down on paper. You're recording the ergonomics of the human body. In my calligraphy artwork, I am trying to preserve the past and forge the future. What I am taking from these old artists are, are these things that they have found true and beautiful, and so I am essentially curating them into another art piece. We abdicate everything to to the machines that we create, then what we are doing is we're creating a sterile world that is void of uh, human influence. And so if we do that out of especially with something that is as deeply personal as handwriting is, then I feel that we're missing out a lot on each other. We're missing out on that that connection that we have with with one another. As one stroke builds off of another, so one man's heritage builds off of another's. Because what was once beautiful in the past and is still beautiful today holds the promise that it will be beautiful in the future. I believe that we are all created in the image of God and that we, we don't only bear his image in the way that we think, the way that we act, the emotions that we have, but in our desire to create. I believe that the things that, that God impresses upon us and the things that we find um, we are passionate about, He was first passionate about. So I see this passion in me to create is the most intimate way that I know God. Pretty cool, isn't it? Unfortunately, this chair was not created too well. That's all right. I'll stand. We'll, we'll get to that in my talk. Um, well, I, I was pretty moved by that. And uh, I'll just give a, a little confession right now. I am the least aesthetically skilled person you will ever know. <clears throat> just ask my wife, Jenny. Uh, we still have arguments to this day over what color our couch is. Um, I seriously have to check with her every time I leave the house to see if my clothes match. Uh, when we got married, she systematically removed all of my clothes uh, very sneakily, like one piece a day or something like that. <clears throat> so I'm one who, uh, if I want to grow in creativity, 
I need mentors. I need to see creative people and the types of things that they do and uh, learn from them. And I think that that's what we can do tonight. So we're going to have a couple other talks, but I thought it would be good if, um, if I brought some of my friends up here who are extremely creative people and who inspire me like crazy, inspire me to be creative just because it's good in and of itself, because it reflects who God is and creativity is good, and cre- being creative uh, in love. So two people that I really admire, and I admire their creativity, we have Jeff Krause and Amy Radcliffe. Go ahead and give them a hand. So I'm going to ask a few questions uh, to them about creativity. And uh, first I want to introduce you to Jeff. Now, every Friday morning, I go into the Crate Bar, which I find is the best place to do creative stuff. And I give myself an hour or two to dream up crazy uh, good, creative, out-of-the-box, weird ideas about how to bless and love others. And I find that there's no place to do it like the Crepe Bar. So I thought I'd bring up Jeff, who is the owner and the chef of Crepe Bar, to talk a little bit about creativity. So thanks for joining us, Jeff. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, I I was thinking what we could start off by doing is... (laughs) I think you're good, yeah. Um, what we could start off by doing is showing some pictures of some of the things that you create in the restaurant. And you go ahead and just tell us what they are and describe them a little bit. So there's the first picture. Um, well, thank you for having me, by the way. Um, I feel more comfortable in the kitchen than up here. But, yeah. um, that's, my, that's a carrot cake. Um, it's my version of a carrot cake. It's agrotopia, carrots, pistachio. Um, lemon, everything that I think of when I think of carrot cake, that's it. That's great. That's great. What's the next one? Um, that's my, that's actually, that's, that's my donuts and, and cream. Um, yeah, it's brioche donuts with chocolate and strawberry and um, a coffee-infused custard. It's donuts and cream. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this this is another version. That's another. That's a carrot cake. Um, <laughs> at that time, that, that's my emotions for a carrot cake at that moment. Um, completely different, but the same components are there. Yeah, and the littlest straw or forks ever, which I love. Yeah. That. Um, so this is this is relatively new. This is my uh, Grand Prix. Um, it's kind of a play off of what's the, um, I think it's Denny's, the, the Grand Slam or something, right? Yeah. So it's kind of a play off of the American breakfast. There's pork, it's an egg, it's a coffee-infused crepe, um, and salt and pepper, of course. So. All right. All right. Oh, thank you. We got a chair. Uh, all right, next one. Is that it? Well, let me all ask right. you. Here, we're going to share this for a second. Um, so let me ask you, Jeff, uh, what is your creative process? Um, God says, let there be light, and Jeff says, let there be crepes. So t- what's it like when you're in there, you're making new crepes and those sorts of things? It's, it's my creative process. It's, it's kind of a, it's long, it's exhausting um, for me and for everyone around me, but I think it has to be for it to be fulfilling and worth like everyone's attention. 
Um, so I go, my process is very emotional. Um, I draw a lot of inspiration from um, past experiences. Um, I think about how I can maybe provoke, you know, thought, um, inspire others. But I go through the first, the first step is literally drawing from things that, that I want to experience as a diner. That one off. We'll go with this one. We'll see if it, this one works. Um, so tell us about. Do you know how to turn that one off? Okay, got it. Cool. Um, so you're in the kitchen, and you must have struggled through a lot of of, of challenges of, of to create stuff, um, and you must have done some things to grow in creativity. When your stuff comes out, I love it. It's very creative, um, especially the carrot cake. I dig the carrot cake. Uh, so what advice do you have about growing in creativity? Um, I think you have to just be open to it, um, and I think you have to be self-aware. Um, I think you have to, you know, be willing to put the time in, do research, be confident enough to put yourself out there. Um, yeah, I think just be open. Um, either create opportunities to, to be creative, 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 or, yeah, or seize an opportunity. Yeah, that's great. So, Amy, I'm going to ask you a question, all right? So, Amy, you went to art school, but now you're a nanny. So obviously you're taking good art school stuff and you're applying it to other aspects of life. So what did you learn in art school that can be applicable to anyone's life, anyone who wants to grow in creativity? Um, well, firstly, I got, I got a creative degree, but um, my degree is called an art studies degree, so it's super broad. Um, and so... <laughs> I wasn't like, I wasn't a painting major that was only painting in the studio all, all the time. Um, I was doing a lot of different stuff, and I think um, the biggest thing I think that school kind of cultivated in me was the <laughs> the ability to, or at least the desire to uh, push my comfort zones and um, push my mediums. Um, you were kind of talking about this too. Um, so you know, it might be most comfortable for me to express an idea through a drawing or through a painting. Um, but sometimes Jim asks you to come sit on a stage and talk about it instead. <laughs> so, and that's really uncomfortable for me. But um, through that, I think, you know, in art you're telling a story a lot of times. And so um, sometimes a story isn't best told the way that's most comfortable for you. Um, and in, in being open to, you know, other mediums, you know, I took classes, I took some pretty wild classes from paper making to acting. Um, and they weren't, you know, the most uh, comfortable or my default medium when it came to expressing an idea or a creative concept. Um, but as I learned how to um, use these tools, because that's what mediums are, they're tools, vessels to express yourself, as I, you know, became more open to, um, you know, perhaps my story being told better in uh, a different medium or through a different vessel, I think I was able to grow creatively. And I think that could be applicable to anybody who desires to grow creatively because um, you might not think, again, like that you aren't a good drawer or a painter, but that doesn't mean that you can't express yourself. And I would challenge you, if you want to grow creatively, um, to you know sit down, uh, take some time, uh, some 
time alone maybe with a pen and paper and, and write down your thoughts, um, write a poem, I don't know, something that maybe isn't the most comfortable for you. And I think um, as you learn um, how, many, how many different tools are available to us, um, you can see that, that stories can be told in so many different ways and it doesn't have to be that narrow-minded idea of what art is, um, but it can really grow you creatively. Um, Jeff, my next question is for you. So you make crepes and you make food like, like Picasso, man. You're really good at it. You're, you're, you're an artist when it comes to it. But not all of us are uh, artists who can work with our hands. But one of the, most, one of the things I'm most impressed with, uh, with what you do, is that you're not just someone who makes food. You're someone who makes an environment. So Ricardo, myself, uh, many other folks in this room have always commented of why we love to go to crepe bars because of the hospitable atmosphere, the culture of hospitality that you have there. Um, so I think that's something that can apply to all of us. We can't always paint stuff, make stuff. Uh, if you're like me, it would offend people if you painted something, right? But we can contribute to making and shaping an environment. How, what does that look like for you? Well, that's a tough, that's deep. Um, well, um, I think, it, I think, whoa, what's the question? <laughs> how, how you shaped an environment of hospitality, a culture of hospitality? Wow. Um, I think it goes back to that process, right, of thinking about the things that um, inspire me. Mm -hmm. um, one, of the, one of the quotes that always goes through my head when I'm, I'm going through the motions of, creating an experience, whether it's on the dish or as in the ambiance, um, is by a chef, Jacques Maximum. I think I'm saying his name right. Um, he always said to be creative, you have to be original, right? You can't plagiarize. So even for the ambiance, the culture, it's one of those deep, deep inside, like just motivations to create something that I would want to experience. Um, yeah, so... I'm lucky enough to have people like Shelby Moore on staff that um, is also in that same mindset where, you know, we're, we're, I think we're just, I think we're just thoughtful and mindful, um, which, dude, that makes me happy that you say that about the ambiance, right, culture? Tell, tell some of the unique things that they would find when they come in the crate um, well, I definitely, it's going to be original, um, because when I, when I first had that thought of crepe bar and, and what that would look like, um, it's not necessarily what it is today, um, but the actual feel of it is what I, f I, I wanted to feel, right? Um, so you're going to find that, um, we're respectful, we're considerate, um, we're on, we're, there's things that are going to be unexpected, um, there's going to be surprises, um, um, everything from like the little, just a bunch of little things. Like if, if just just being aware of people's presence. Um, if if we see that you're there more than you know five seconds, something's being brought to the table, um, and that's our way of saying thank you. And that's also our way for for having that environment where people feel comfortable. Um, so we literally. And it's exhausting. This is that same thing, right? It's exhausting for me and exhausting for my staff because we do um, go out, you know, we take that extra step to make sure everyone feels like they have been in there, you know, before. Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, so 
one of the things I was driving at, which he didn't say explicitly because I think he's a humble guy, is when, when you're in there, um, they bring out little samples, and it's samples of crazy, amazing things that Jeff's back there creating. Uh, so all kinds of culinary creations uh, you get to sample. So that's pretty cool. It's an opportunity for him to kind of cultivate his craft a little bit and a gesture of hospitality. So, Amy, would you close us off by just kind of telling us how is uh, making art or making beautiful things sort of an act of love? If Jesus commands us to love, how is making art a com- uh, an act of love? Um. I think Benjamin touched on this um, a bit. First, I would say, um, just in stewardship, uh, we uh, were created by a creative God um, in his image. And so um, part of that is owning that um, and and understanding that that's a part of who we are. And um, I think that's worship. I think um, living out of who we were created to be um, is worship. And I think that can be um, done through living creatively and making things even if it's not what you might deem art um so there's that i think uh yeah stewardship and if if you are an artist if you you know have talents and skills i think uh steward them well and use them um yeah so stewardship for sure um and then and then i would say service too um it's been interesting in school I would make art because I got a grade and um, I needed to pass my classes. Um, But after school, now that I've graduated, I don't have to make art. I don't have to. I'm a nanny. (laughs) You know, art isn't what supports me. It's um, watching some of your kids out there. Um, so, So when I do make art, it's a choice. And I get the choice to love people by doing, you know, whatever it is that I do. And um, I'm not super good at it, but I'm learning how to do that and how to um, use the things that I love and the things that I'm passionate about to serve others. And um, that can look lots of different ways, I guess. Um, for one, even just in if I'm commissioned something, you know, I recently worked with uh, Joe Johnson of Liberty Market. And so um, just working really well with my clients and um, Autumn Farrell, who talked um, a bit ago doing the All of Life interview talked about this a bit, but just really um, caring about your client and trying to get their ideas um, out in a way that you can make art that they're going to say, yeah, that's what I was intending. That's what I had in mind, you know, and um, so loving people like that and then just in fun projects and uh, I think they're going to pull it up on the screen pretty soon. No, uh, uh, so I did a project with Instagram um, it might sound silly, but Instagram is a really cool way to build community um, and to bring together communities that already exist. And so um, I started this Instagram account called Tempe People, um, but they share the P and the E because the two words combine nicely. Um, <laughs> it's a visual if you see it later, but there it is. <laughs> um, but what that is is it's just um, photos taken by mostly other people, um, most people that I don't actually know, um, and they hashtag either Tempe or ASU or um, anything, uh, Tempe Town Lake, um, anything that I can search. Um, and the point in that is just to love our city um, well and um, love the people in it by um, saying, hey, you know, you love this place. Um, you're meeting people here. You're, um, you're finding new cool spots. Let's, um, let's recognize that. And um, so I'll, 
I'll find different photos and ask for permission first and then share their photos on this page. And so it's pretty cool to bring these all together and um, just for one common cause. And so I think there are lots of ways you can come up with creative ways to um, serve people or love people um, outside of yourself, which is pretty rare in art. It's usually pretty self-glorifying. But um, I think it's important to come up with creative ways to do that. So, yeah. And then there's a couple quotes um, that I wanted to leave you all with. Um, I can't read them, so I'm going to put it here. Um, this is a propaganda quote. Um, you know, Ricardo is our pastor, so I feel like it was appropriate <laughs> to quote propaganda. But this is an awesome quote. It really is. Um, he says, so we make lofty art. See, the presence of good art will unconsciously refine a community, and poor art will do an incalculable harm, only accomplished in the light of his excellency. It's too high. It's lofty. And I think that just kind of touches on the importance of doing things well and specifically um, pursuing excellence in your art. And then um, I recently, there's a next quote coming. Um, I recently got back from a creatives conference, and uh, there were a lot of really brilliant speakers that shared. And so these are some of the notes that I took from different um, speeches and everything that were shared and um, just ideas that were coming to mind. And I wrote, um, skills come from your hands. You can learn to perfect a craft, but creativity comes from something deeper. You can't learn it, but you can cultivate it. You can claim it because it's your birthright. So. All right. Would you give these folks a hand here? I'm going to point you to uh, a video I want to show. We've just uh, listened to two uh, very creative, artistic type folks. But I want to show an example of creativity that's from a business person. My boss told me when I told him I was leaving, said, you're leaving the one thing God has best designed you to do. And that was a devastating moment for me. Like, I did not think he was right, but it, to me that was a, like, people believe this is the thing and that nothing else could be higher. I remember feeling when I was on ministry staff, I loved to study business and I loved to read books on business and I don't know that I felt guilty about those things but they felt ancillary to the call. I, God really really awakened me to understanding that the gospel going forth in the world was a much broader restoration of, um, of communities, of cities, of of economic systems and that perhaps, just perhaps, God had gifted me because he wanted me to participate in that in a broader sense. So you can just design tools for who we consider cash-based households, people who transact mainly in cash and have been largely excluded from the financial system. In the United States, that's 106 million Americans who consider themselves cash-preferred. 
They would also fall in a category of underbanked, which means they may have a banking relationship, but it, it doesn't run very deep or they don't utilize it um, very effectively. Someone would receive their paycheck um, and they would text Kudos that they got a certain amount of income, $900 in income this week. Uh, and then throughout the course of the week, as that person made purchases and um, you know maybe pays bills, pays rent, they would also text and say rent. $300, grocery store, X number of dollars. And then Juntos tracks those things, categorizes those things, and over the course of the month adds them up. And that person will then get a report at the end of the month telling them how they spent their money. Um, we designed these tools for folks who spend all day, every single day, concerned about where every dollar is going and doing the best that they can to make one paycheck last until the next. And so our goal is to design tools to help that person um, who transacts mainly in cash learn how to manage their money better. We've been users of Mint in my family, so yeah. I mean, at least I have that so sort of you. framework, yeah. um, you know, towards what you're doing, yeah. and so I kind of I get what you're doing, um, but, um, but maybe I should just let you explain to me what you're doing. And it's just very focused on how do you create experiences that, um, that create new habit formation so that people who have never saved before um, begin to successfully put money aside towards goals they have? And, and most importantly, how do you, through those experiences, let them kind of feel differently about their money and, and feel differently about themselves? More so probably than any other time in my life, I feel like I'm engaging my whole mind in the work that I do all day, every day, and that's incredibly rewarding at the end of the day. Um, but I also love my job because it doesn't just engage my intellect, but it engages my heart and my soul. And able to engage in the restorative work that God cares about around the world of restoring people and restoring a, a sense of rightness and a sense of dignity and of building business as it as it ought to be, as a as a channel for the common good. You always got to appreciate the brave soul who does the first initial clap. And then everyone's like, oh, we're doing this. Let's do it. Let's clap. Uh, that's good. That's good. Well, I wanted to show that because it's very important for us to know that creativity isn't just for, for artists, for uh, designers, for architects, but even someone who loves the spreadsheet and loves to crunch numbers needs to think creatively how they wield the skills and abilities God's given them for the good of the other, for shalom, for, for flourishing and welfare. We get this out of Jeremiah 29, 6 and 7. It says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray, for the Lord on its, uh, pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. We've talked about this passage in other sermons. We've talked about it quite a bit. It's the call to seek the flourishing of the city, seek the flourishing of the community, to seek the flourishing of others. And so I think that creativity is integral to that. 
And so I want to get, take a little tour of some of the things that we might think of when we think of creativity. So it's going to be a little visual tour. So let's go ahead and throw the first slide up. When we think of creativity, it's easy to, easy to think about music. You can imagine an orchestra, someone fashioning wood, metal, strings together to make instruments that make sounds. And then someone pulls those instruments and pulls some people together and organizes them in a way to make beautiful music. See, music is beautiful because it's one of the, it's powerful because it's one of the few things in this world that can make you cry without beating you up. Music is, is good. It's powerful. It's creative. We often think of creativity when we see music and art. The same thing with architecture. Uh, you go to Tempe. One of the things that makes Tempe a special city is because we have good architecture and beautiful buildings. This is the Tempe Center for the Arts, which not only has a bunch of creative stuff inside it, but it's a creative, well-designed, beautiful building. And right next to it, you see the pedestrian bridge. If ever I'm trying to convince somebody to move to Tempe, that's where I take them. And I try to talk a lot of people to move to Tempe. All right, the next one. What's that? That's Gamage. Now, Gamage, again, filled with creative things, but the building itself is creative. The, the myth is that that was originally designed by Frank Lloyd Wright for Saddam Hussein, but he didn't want it, so he gave it to ASU. So <clears throat> at least it wasn't rejected by U of A. Um, and then we'll go to the next building. This is one of my favorite buildings. This is Tempe City Hall. It's this uh, upside-down pyramid, which is cool because it's not only, not only unique and looks cool, but it's actually functional in that it's a self-shaded building. Now, what's really cool is we see all of these things, and they're beautiful. It's not like, like old Soviet um, architecture, which is just block buildings that have function. When people make stuff like this, they're pursuing human flourishing. They're pursuing the good of the neighbor because they know that we were created not just to function, but we as humans need beauty. We also see, we think of creativity when we see technology. Who has an iPhone? Hold them up. Let's just see. Yeah, a bunch of them right there. Now, not only is there some creativity in the apps, but the phone, the, what sets it apart from a lot of the other phones and a lot of the other computers, people would say, is the creativity that Apple seems to have. But all of that is obvious. That's what we think of when we think of creativity. But let me ask you, when you think of creativity, do you think of this? <clears throat> you see, I think we need to expand our mind about what is creative. Not creative what you do on it, <laughs> but it's, it's mere existence, right? That right there is an act of love. Somebody one day said, we've got a problem. We, are, we, we, we need to get poop out of the house. <laughs> and so they created that, and that contributes to human flourishing. Same with this next thing. How rarely we think about that, but as residents of Arizona, someone creatively thought how to, about how to cool a house down so that we can live and function here. Without those, we couldn't live here in Arizona. 
I mean, we barely can now in the summers, but that helps. <clears throat> Let's go to the next one. All right. I hesitate with this, but here's the deal. I've got to get a root canal on Monday. And oftentimes we think of root canals as dreaded, bad, mundane at best things. But the, the fact that someone creatively solved the problem of what do you do when your mouth and your tooth hurt so bad that, that you want to kick everyone you see? Well, <laughs> someone figured out a way to take the nerves out of your teeth and still pervert, uh, preserve the tooth. That is creativity. But then we also see, we see th- th- those are pretty helpful. Those are things that contribute to human flourishing. But there are other things, other things that seem a little ridiculous. This, my friends, is the banana cutter. This, this takes you from three seconds to one second in cutting a banana. The world's easiest piece of fruit to cut needed its own cutter. If nothing else, this is a commentary on society, but... This right here is, is an act of creativity, and someone put a lot of time into it, but I don't know if it was best spent. Does that really contribute to human flourishing? Now, how about this one? Now, you, you don't know what this is, but when I tell you, you you're going you're gonna to think it's crazy. That, my friends, is prosthetic dog testicles. <laughs> Believe it or not... Some people are so concerned about, about the confidence of dogs after they're neutered that they created prosthetic dog testicles. Now, that takes a lot of creativity. People spent a lot of time working on that. But does that really contribute to human flourishing? Does that really help our neighbor? I don't think so, other than this laugh that we just shared. And then let's throw the, the other ridiculous example here. All right. This, I was looking up some, some patents, some patents that have been filed. This is for the gerbil vest. If you, if you need to travel places with your gerbil, there are avenues for the gerbil to travel around this vest. So it's really beneficial to the gerbil community, but this isn't really what I have in mind when, when you think of loving your neighbor and changing the world. All right, let's, let's look at the next one. This is a little bit more serious. This represents chemical weapons. Chemical weapons that have been used all over the world in absolutely ravish communities. Absolutely ravish them. It, it causes blindness. It causes uh, con- congenital heart disease. It tears apart the world and diminishes and destroys flourishing. But what you see right there is creative. It's very creative. Someone stayed up in a lab and figured out how to do that. But to what end? To an end that is destructive. Let's go to the next slide. Those are bath salts. If you live in Arizona, you know that uh, somebody figured out how to take these bath salts, which have a good purpose, and changed them and, and figured out you can get high from these things and get a high that destroys people's lives and actually makes them uh, very uh, aggressive and violent and vicious. Let's go to the next one. When you look at the apps on your phone, 
I recently watched Shark Take, which is a good show, but I was literally just almost moved to tears when I saw that somebody was proposing an app that helps people cheat on their spouse to hide text messages, to hide phone numbers from girlfriends uh, that they would have. Is it creative? Absolutely. Does it contribute to the good of our neighbor? Absolutely not. So we see creativity in all these things. We see creativity when people are, are in the, the, the laboratory figuring out how to make weapons or in the laboratory figuring out how to make a banana slicer. But one of the places where I think we don't see creativity but we ought to is this. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says it's this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. Jesus says the great commandment is to love God with everything and to love your neighbor as yourself. Initially, we wouldn't look at this as a call to creativity, but I believe this is one of the most beautiful calls to creativity. See, what if all of the time that was spent working on the banana slicer or working on uh, the chemical weapons, if that was converted to time that is working on and dreaming about and, con- and, and scheming ways, creative ways to love our neighbor and to help them flourish. You see, it's all about how we understand this passage. Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. And just think about the ways that you love yourself. You may not think that you're creative, but you are very creative in the way that you love yourself. You take all of your resources, maybe your marketing degree, your money, your spare bedroom, your bicycle, and you think creatively about how you can take those things and use them to care for yourself, to make your life good, for you to flourish. And, and we might not be able to paint a picture, but we can be very creative when it comes to taking care of ourselves. And I don't think it's wrong that we use those things for ourselves. But that is the template that Jesus uses to say, that is how you love others. In other words, take the resources, the gifts, the abilities you have. Take your ability to cook. Take your ability to organize. Take your degree in business and creatively think about how you can match that with some problem in the world and help others and bless them and love them. I just want you to imagine what it would be like if we were people, when we got, to, we got together at coffee shops or when we got together in homes, if we were people who brainstormed and schemed about creative ways we could love others. Imagine the boss, the CEO, who decides that, that his employees need to feel dignified and served. So that CEO decides that that's going to be the person who constantly washes the bathrooms every week and cleans the bathroom. That's creativity. Imagine a wedding photographer who sees refugees and who sees uh, the fact that they've lost so many of their memories in another country and says, I will do wedding photography and family porches for free for refugees so that they can build some memories here. 
Imagine the people who look at our Arizona oppressive front yards, which aren't hospitable, and, ha- and, and decides, because I want life in my neighborhood, I'm going to build a front porch. My wife and I, we're trying to do this, but we're actually planting our gardens in the front yard so that people can see how bad of a gardener I am and we can have nice, uh, nice conversations about it. Who has bikes in here? Okay, we got a lot of bikes. I was disturbed a few weeks ago when I saw that there was a bike gang that beat up, some, uh, beat up this man in front of his wife and his daughter. But me, it got me thinking about the power of a mob mentality. So this Saturday, if you want to join us, we're doing the Tempe Bicycle Gang. We're, we're basically going to cruise around Tempe, and we're going to do a bunch of good stuff. We're going to pull some weeds. We're going to give tips uh, at restaurants. We're going to pay for people's meals. Um, and, and just a simple bike and a mob of people can do some good, thinking creatively about it. I had a friend who had $1,500, and he said, what I'm going to do with this is I'm going to buy a truck so I can help people move. Create a creative idea for the love of neighbor. And there are lots of tangible ways we can do this. And we do this. We give of ourselves and we think about what we have and how we can use it for others. Because when we tangibly give ourselves away to address the world's needs, we are reflecting Jesus, the one who gave his life to reflect the ultimate needs. So here's what we're going to do. Usually we have a time of Q&A. But now we want to ask you the question. I want to take about 10 to 15 minutes around the tables, and I want us to, um, to take some time to just dream up ideas. Dream up ideas about how we can love others. So let me pose what the problems will be. Go ahead and throw those up on the screen. So I've picked four problems, and around your table or with a group of people around you, Pick one of those problems and spend some time just dreaming up crazy, ridiculous ideas about how you can address one of those. So we have loneliness and a lack of community. What are your ideas for that? Poverty, what are your ideas for that? The toxic political discourse we have, spend some time dreaming about that. And school shootings, these are all problems. But around your tables, think about how you can love your neighbor Think of ideas you can have to engage one of these issues. So go ahead and do that, and we'll come back in about 10 or 15 minutes and wrap up. Dialect, rapping my coast as if that spirit realm had oceans. Ex- 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 
excellent. That's what you should expect from us. Least we can do to say thank you for how we blessed us. All else is blasphemy. Disagree, get at me. And he with low standards don't get no mics on the stages I stand on. To battle with the stakes for the rights to keep the mic for a couple more bars. No YouTube channels for rap battles or cash prizes. Just keeping your cool when heat rises. Next breaks, concussions, gashes, and bruises. It's real manhood with the monthly bills to prove it. Start with me, my art archery aims for the dark meat. Your albums are full of more bites than shark wheat. Excellent. My writing remains with such serious symbolism. Styles are plenty. Pages get the let out like Jimmy. Homie, I am not kidding. There's no play dates. Muscle up a hustle, a street name, the DBA. Excellent.
perpetration of sin is deep in our nature. Peel back the layers. It's no secret. Even the naked eye can see it under careful examination. No exaggeration needed. These are exact statements. We are dead in our offenses. We can't pay penance with petty possessions. No exceptions or exemptions will be made. Nothing independent of true repentance and redemption. Deserving the death sentence. We all right. our own merits. Well, um, who solved all the problems? Nobody solved all the problems? Come on now. Um, all right, we'll draw your conversations to a close for now. I would encourage you to continue to have these conversations. These are the good kind of conversations to have uh, at coffee shops, at home. It's, it's really important. But I want, to kind of, I want us to close the night out by um, bringing up someone who I think is a very uh, sharp guy, a guy I respect a lot, um, Ben Adam. He's a part of the congregation here. And he's one of the guys who I think values creativity and is attempting to grow in creativity, even though he, um, he wouldn't necessarily describe himself as the most naturally creative person. So I'm going to go ahead and welcome him up, and would you go ahead and give him a hand? Yeah, I thought it was a little bit ironic that uh, Jim asked me to come speak up here because I am, I am not a natural creative person, or at least I didn't, I didn't ever think of myself as a creative person. So I, I grew up in a family, and my, my mom and my dad are both doctors, and uh, they're really linear thinkers. So like every night at the dinner table, we'd be having like some conversation about bowel movements or uh, something ridiculous that was scientific in nature. And so uh, I, I chose to go the opposite direction of that. And so uh, growing up, I was a jock. And so I played basketball my whole life. I love basketball. And um, I think what happens uh, in high school especially is, is the world starts getting divided into two kind of spheres. You have, you have on one hand, you have your left brain people. And your left brain people are your analytical thinkers. They're... They're, um, they're very good at, at, at following processes. They're really good at, um, at numbers and having everything nice in order. And then you have your right brain creatives who are really good at thinking outside the box. And uh, if we're being honest, sometimes they're a little all over the place. But, uh, so, but, but, but one of the things that, I, that I've been hearing a lot today is that, um, is that we probably need to change the way that we think about that. See, uh, I, I think that it's a really, really sad thing for people to go through life thinking that they're not a creative person, especially as, as Benjamin Jensen really did a great job of unpacking that God has created us to be creative. He's created us to have an impact on this world and to cultivate the world around us. And so um, a huge part of being image bearers of God is, is being creative. And so... One of the biggest reasons as Christians why it's really important to start stop to stop thinking of it as as I'm creative or I'm not creative is is that there's tons of outside pressure in the world, and um, I think I think uh, I think that you can boil down most activities in, into into it's either consumptive behavior or it's a creative behavior, and so I would I would say that the opposite of creativity is consumption. You're taking stuff in instead of putting something out. And obviously there's good, good types of consumption. 
but uh, it, it, in large part, many of the problems that we face in this world are due to overconsumption. We, we eat too much, and so then we're, we're overweight. Or, uh, you know, we, we drive too much, and so we're running out of gas. And so there's this, this problem that we're, we're taking in, and we're taking in, and we're not giving, or we're not creating. And, and the thing that's beautiful about creativity is that it's inherently about other people. You're making something that's going to that's gonna influence or impact somebody else. And so I, I kind of came up with my own definition of creativity. And feel free to shoot me an email or, or push back on this. But I, I tried to boil it down to something really simple. And so my definition of creativity is making something without following instructions. So... If you're, if you're like me, I, I would probably uh, fall into the, the left brain category. You're probably having like a, a little bit of a, you know, you're getting a little tense right now because the thought of trying to create something without following instructions is really daunting. You're, you're like, man, how am I going to do this? I'm going to screw it up. You're the kid that, you know, they get the Legos and you're building the Death Star the first night. You're not the person that's just like tossing the directions and, you know, starting from scratch. Um, and so I think that, uh, I think that it's, it's really like starting from something in your brain and, and making it happen in reality. And that's the essence of creativity. And for me, one of the, one of the reasons why I really struggle with creativity, I don't know if you guys can identify with this, is one of the biggest things that I struggle with was comparison. So I see someone up here like Amy Radcliffe, who's an artistic genius. Everything that she does, I'm like, whoa, that's amazing. And then, and then on a daily basis, I work with Caleb Barclay. A lot of you guys know him. And he's probably the most creative person that I've ever met. And many of the things that I've learned about creativity, I've learned from him. But going back to me playing basketball, a lot of times we look at these creative giants, and it's kind of like me as a basketball player looking on TV and seeing LeBron James up there. You know, he's dunking on fools. He's, you know, he's just doing it. And... Uh, and, and the thing is, is LeBron James was born, and he is a monster. He's like six foot eight. He can jump through the building. He can shoot. He can do it all. He's amazing. He's the best basketball player in the world right now. And uh, <laughs> no, it's true. It's it's all right, bro. Um, and 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 God has definitely given us different levels of natural ability when it comes to different things. So in the same way that God created LeBron James, He's created some people that are just naturally creative. But that doesn't mean for me, you know, a guy who's about six foot one, and when I jump really high, you can fit a piece of paper underneath my feet. That doesn't mean that I can't enjoy basketball, and that doesn't mean that basketball can't enhance my life and enhance the lives of other people. So I try and use that as my main, main form of exercise. And, uh, and so being, being left-brained, I just wanted to leave you guys with three practical ways that I feel like you could grow in creativity. And the three ways are... Um, thinking of creativity, creativity has to be something that's intentional. Um, you got to feed yourself good food. And then finally, creativity has to be consistent. So creativity is intentional. I think this night is a great example of how creativity is intentional. We're all sitting around tables and we're having discussions about what we can do to solve problems. And I think a lot of the time we, we think that creativity happens in these bursts of inspiration where, you know, you're, you know, eureka or whatever, the light bulb moment. And a lot of times that's just not the way that it works. Most of the time, true creativity comes when you sit down 
in an intentional way and you say, I'm not getting up until I flesh this idea out. I'm not going to get up until I, I have I've created something. And I think this, this creates an environment for creativity to thrive. It has to be intentional. The second thing is feed yourself good food. So uh, undoubtedly there's probably a few CrossFit people in here. And if you've hung out with like a CrossFit bro or whatever for any amount of time, you've probably heard them talk about their diet, whether it's like a paleo diet or whether it's some other type of food. And, and these people are really conscientious about the, the things that they put in their body because they want to be able to operate at a really high level. So they put in really good inputs, and they're hoping to get awesome output from that. Well, in the same way, we feed ourselves for creativity. And so going back to, to what I said about consuming or creating, a lot, of, a lot of what we've been taught to do by our society is to consume. And I'm just as guilty as, as anybody, you know, of uh, getting my Netflix membership with a new email address and, uh, and, and then pr- proceeding to bust out like 12 episodes in a row of Legend of Korra or, yeah, just me, okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, just like end of the day, I didn't do anything. I just watched like eight hours of television and I just feel dead. Um, and, and, and what happens when we, when we do something that's primarily consumptive is that it atrophies our creative muscle. Creativity functions in many ways like a muscle, going back to the CrossFit reference. And, and so the, the best thing that I know of to, to help grow your creativity and fuel uh, good food in your mind is actually reading. Um, as simple as that sounds, uh, reading is something that forces you to take an input and do something with it and then put it out again. And, and particularly, I think that everybody should read fiction. Fiction, you have to, you have to read uh, these words, and then you've got to imagine a character. You're not looking at a screen to, to, to figure out what it looks like. You have to imagine a character, and you have to imagine settings, and you have to think about how this sentence relates to that sentence. And it's really formative, and it helps you grow your creative muscle. It also helps your vocabulary. There's tons of other things that it helps you with. But I think that if, you're, if you want to have good creative output, you have to have good creative input. And so I think one of the best ways that you can do that is through reading. And then the final, the final thing that I wanted to encourage you guys with is that uh, to grow in creativity, you've got to be consistent. I think that we, we overestimate what we can accomplish in a year, but we underestimate what we can accomplish in 10 years. And so there's a story that I really love that I think illustrates this principle. So there, there was, a, there was a, a professor who taught a pottery class, and he had two first-year pottery classes. And um, he, he gave the first class, uh, he, he set up somewhat of an experiment, and he gave the first class uh, the task of creating a masterpiece. So at the end of the semester, they were only going to be graded on one pot. And this pot was going to be graded for their technique, for its creativity, and just for its overall aesthetic. For the second class, he gave them the task of creating one pot every day. And so in order to get an A in the class, all they had to do was create a pot. And at the end of the semester, when they compared the two classes' pots against one another, they found that the class that created a pot every day, that their pots were significantly more creative. They were, they were better crafted. They were, um, they were just better in every way. And that's because the first class, they obsessed over detail, and they obsessed over theory, and they obsessed over having it right and doing it right. And the second class, they just worried about doing it every day, consistently. And so 
I just want to encourage you guys, growing in creativity, it's not this huge jump from not creative to creative. It's, it's the culmination of being intentional and feeding yourself good food and then just doing it consistently. So if you're trying to grow in your ability to draw or you're trying to grow in your creative problem solving, just set aside some time every day and just intend to do it and do it. Maybe it's 15 minutes. Maybe it's 10 minutes in the shower. Whatever it is. That's, that's the best way that I've learned how to grow in creativity. And, and, and I think that over time you'll be amazed at, at, at how far you've come. And, and the overall result of these things is that, that through creativity and through creating new things, our, our congregation and, and the people of God are able to have an impact on this world and, and are able to be givers instead of consumers. And I think that's what Christ has called us to in loving our neighbor. So I'm just going to pray for us, and then Jim's going to come up and kind of uh, close out the night. Jesus, I just thank you for who you are and that you are a creative God and that you made us in your image and that you've given us the ability to create things and to dream up new things and to be a part of uh, restoring this world. God, I ask that you would help us not to be discouraged in our, uh, in our efforts, but that we would be consistent and that we would look to you um, for this growth. And so, God, I just pray that you would uh, that you'd do these things and, uh, and that we would be, be blessed through that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, give, give Ben a hand, please. Um, all right, so we're running a little late. I'm just going to give uh, just a couple quick things that you can do, next steps. One next step, get some veggies. Get some veggies. We have the, the, um, uh, the IRC has organized a, a CSA, and if that's a lot of letters, basically what it means is refugee farmers grow organic food, $25 a week. You can pick it up here at Redemption. It goes to support them. So that's a creative way to um, give refugees jobs. So you can talk to Jessica in the back over there if you want to know more info on it. Uh, the second thing I would say is if you get a group of three to five people who have an idea, I want to meet with you. Send me an email and let's talk and let's dream up some stuff. And for the other two ways, I was going to have Sean Mortensen, who's uh, one of the elders at Arcadia and one of the central uh, pastors kind of talk about two other applications of this. Great. Um, again, my name is Sean Mortensen. I'm pastor of media and communications, and uh, I'll be real quick to get you guys out of here. Uh, I'm just going to read this uh, quote real fast and then give you two things that maybe you can put your hands to. I don't know if you guys can see this or not. This is from a guy named Andy Crouch, uh, who wrote a book called Culture Making. It says this, I wonder what we Christians are known for in the world outside our churches. Are we known as critics, consumers, copiers, condemners of culture? I'm afraid so. Why aren't we known as cultivators, people who tend and nourish what is best in human culture, who do the hard and painstaking work to preserve the best of what people before us have done? Why aren't we known as creators, people who dare to think and do something that has never been thought or done before, something that makes the world more welcoming and thrilling and beautiful? So uh, we want to basically create a community of of, uh, people who are creators and cultivators. And uh, sometimes you need a little bit of encouragement. Sometimes you need a little bit of support uh, to do that, to take the first steps, to put the shovel in the ground, to crack the egg, to put the pen to paper, whatever it might be. And so we have a few things that we try to help facilitate. 
that sort of creative work. And you can go ahead to the next slide. And I want to point out just two tonight. Uh, the first one, you may have heard about this already, is called Outward Focus Grants. Uh, and this is something that um, Redemption Church broadly puts together uh, funds and resources to help people who have ideas, much like uh, Jim was challenging you guys to have tonight, uh, to come up with ideas that bless people. Uh, and these uh, really, it's a broad category. Uh, any idea is open to getting funding, really, uh, if we feel like it's, it's blessing people and honoring the Lord and is good gospel witness uh, and is really for the common good. Uh, you may not get a, a banana slicer funded or uh, pet products, but um, if you have a good idea uh, about really how to care for people, how to bless your city, um, we ask you to submit for a grant, and maybe you can get some resources and some help to kind of get that project going. So uh, there's an orientation this Sunday at 2 p.m. at Redemption Gilbert, if you're interested in that. Uh, you can find more info on the website on redemptionaz.com. It's in the scrolling header right now. If you click on that, you'll get all these details. Uh, the application deadline, application you can find online is December 1st. So you do have to apply and there's a process and there's a team that kind of helps you go through your application and your vision and all these types of things. Uh, and then those people that get uh, chosen to receive a grant, uh, that will be announced February 1st of 2014. So uh, I encourage you to take a look at that. Uh, if you have a great idea about how to bless people and you just need help getting it off the ground. The second thing is this, you may have seen this online a little bit. Uh, we're, we're forming collectives uh, in a number of different categories, kind of uniting people that have similar skills and similar passions and carry similar burdens. One of the things we're doing is a visual artist collective, uh, and this is everyone from uh, painters, designers, photographers, uh, these types of things. And we want to bring people together to form community because nothing really uh, fosters creative work like bringing creative people together and kind of feed off of each other and be inspired by one another and encouraged by one another. So we want to build this community, and one of the things we're doing that will hopefully serve as sort of uh, kindling to that type of community uh, is an Advent poster project. And so we're asking people within Redemption Church, vis visual artists in Redemption Church, and really friends of Redemption Church, if you have people outside of Redemption that would want to participate in this, we would love it, uh, to create original posters, original works of art. Um, and we have uh, guidelines for how big we want and those types of things online, but original works of art based on the text of John 1, 1 through 18. Okay, and so this is uh, in preparation for a season of Advent. Uh, that passage of Scripture is really looking at the incarnation and Jesus taking on flesh and, and coming to be with us and dwelling among us. Uh, just this beautifully rich, profound passage. And so we're just leaving it open from there. And we're asking people to press into that text, uh, read some inspiration uh, related to that, talk to other people about it, interact with some of the works that we give you that might be encouragement and inspiration as well, and produce original works. Um, we're asking you to submit submit work by December 8th on that, December 8th, 2013. Uh, and then we're putting together a showing slash kind of holiday party for mid-December after that. We're in talks with some uh, places downtown to have a party and a showing for some of those works as well. Uh, and the website, all the works that people are submitting are being posted on a website, a Tumblr site, a light shines in the darkness.tumblr.com. Uh, and again, if you go to redemptionaz.com and the blogs right now, uh, you'll see a blog that lists kind of all the details for this. Uh, I want to encourage you, uh, the hardest things to do really with any creative work, um, I think maybe especially with artistic work, is, is start and finish and then let other people see it. And there's some of you people that um, are thinking, man, it might be interesting to get involved in that, but maybe you'll never actually start and put pen to paper or go out and take those photographs or sit down at a computer and work out a concept, I would just encourage you to start and just start and work on it. And the second thing is just finish it. Even if you don't think it's the greatest thing in the entire world, just finish it. And when you finish it, 
submit it and let other people see it and let other people be blessed by it. Okay. Uh, so we want everyone to participate. If you have any questions at all about either of these, uh, please come talk to me. I'll stick around for a while afterwards. But again, if you go to the website right now, you'll find both of these on, on the homepage. You can get more information about them. Go create some stuff. See ya.